0: My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Remember the old diet advice, like when the urge to eat strikes, just take a walk, or Have a glass of water. Usually you're just thirsty, not hungry. If you're anything like me, these suggestions make you want to punch the magazine or the person who said it in the face. So many suggestions to just stop emotional eating are based in diet culture. They're based in the notion that you know what to do, just do it. And I'm here to tell you that Changing behavior is hard. We as humans are wired for comfort and disrupting a pattern of emotional eating is challenging. And at the same time, you absolutely can do it and you can learn to prefer it. However, to get started with disrupting this pattern, we need to feel understood. We need to then take small, consistent actions in the direction of our goals. So we're going to leave these super patronizing suggestions at home and get some actual suggestions for simple, fun things to do when the urge to eat strikes when you know you are not hungry. So for some actual suggestions for this, I have a new free actionable guide. This is a one-page PDF you can pull up at any time with 23 things to do instead of eating, complete with links to videos, fun, inspiring songs, and many different ideas to disrupt the pattern and take a small step towards empowerment and towards that confident person that you deserve to be. So grab the guide absolutely free at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P forward slash guide to start ditching the shoulds and regaining competence in yourself today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for any form of professional advice. If you are struggling with how these specific topics fit for you, please make sure you seek out a professional to get that guidance. And if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you could pull out your phone, go to Apple Podcasts, and give me a quick review. You can either just give us the star review, or you can write a review There you can let me know what you're enjoying, what you'd like to see more of. It's a really simple way and a free way for you to let me know you're enjoying the podcast, help more people find it, and um, help keep the podcast going. So thank you so much in advance. All right, let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Motivation Made Easy podcast. This episode is um, just a little bit behind the scenes into my process for some of these solo episodes, I typically will have an idea and I'll write a blog post and I'll kind of use that blog post as a way to like flesh out my ideas and what I want to talk about. And this one's actually been one that I've been working on for a while now and I keep tweaking it. So it all started because I was reminded about some of the mindset related work and how mindset impacts hormones and our eating behavior. That I've been that I've known about for years, and I think is fascinating. And and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do an episode really honing in on the importance of understanding and unpacking our mindset. And that's definitely what we're doing here today. Um, since I started the blog post, I've also learned about this new and very interesting way to work with. Different negative thoughts or different thoughts within ourselves, and getting super curious about where they come from, but also like what they're trying to do for us. So, with that said, we're going to be walking through an example of a made up person named Karen who's having a hard time. And we're going to talk about some really concrete examples of how she can or you can work with your inner critic to talk to yourself in a way that's much more helpful and really build healthy habits. So this episode comes the day comes out to the day after Christmas and it's, um, yeah, I think a fitting, it's always a fitting time to talk about, you know, working with our inner critic. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really excited to dive into today's episode and so glad you're here. Okay, so we have Karen. Karen is spiraling. She had been doing really well. She was eating well, walking daily, feeling great. But for some reason, she just feels off. And she felt off one day. She ate a little more than usual at lunch. Maybe looking back, she might have been scrolling mindlessly on her phone at lunch. She kind of saw a few upsetting posts about someone that she went to high school who's battling cancer. Kept scrolling, but before she knew it, she'd eaten too much. She felt stuffed. Not really stuffed, but enough to feel uncomfortable. She got mildly frustrated with herself after this, but she didn't really spiral out quite yet. She told herself, and this is more subconscious, it's fine, one meal, you can get back on track immediately, just relax. So she moves on with her day. She doesn't really acknowledge the actual thoughts that are going through her mind in this moment. Partly because she's ashamed of them, she really sh- knows she shouldn't be self- so self critical. She just knows this isn't helpful. She knows she needs to be kinder to herself. And so she tries to think of something else instead. If she were really honest with herself, though, that simple act of eating a little bit more at lunch, feeling a little overfull, triggered thoughts like, I can't believe you did that. You feel sick now. That's what you get. You were feeling so good, and now you're going to fall back into old habits. And if we really dig to the core of what's bothering her in that moment, it's you're going to fail again. So, what happened with Karen? She continued to feel off all day. Before she knew it, she had an extra snack in the evening, even though she's like, I know I'm not hungry. By the time dinner came, she felt tired physically and emotionally really mad at herself and it was just all she could do to heat up some leftovers, have dinner of the TV, um, and then, you know, why not eat ice cream? She blew it for the day. Really down on herself. And this is all really because she didn't fully address what was actually bothering her and this hidden sentence that popped up right after she ate a little bit extra food at lunch. So how our hidden sentences hold us back. In um, soon, I'm going to have my my parents coach, um, my favorite parenting expert, Randy Rubenstein, on the podcast. But Randy has taught me some of this language we're using, so we're going to give credit where credit's due. She talks a lot about the hidden sen- sentences in our brain. And what's interesting as a psychologist is this is not hugely different than... Um, in CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, what we call cognitive restructuring. But I think I think Randy just has a really um, good ability to hone in on the simple sentence that's driving the distress and sort of the, in CBT, what we'd call a cognitive distortion. And in this example, that would be, I'm going to fail again. So our brains sometimes... In the past, when I've done cognitive restructuring, I can get a little too wordy and I have a hard time like really just being like, nope, it's this. And this is a really common one that happens for many, many, many people that I work with Um, as it relates to weight and eating. It shows up in other areas too, but like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail again. I'm going to fail. And it's really the thing that's keeping us in this distress cycle um, and holding us back and... And our brains avoid the truth of this because it's painful. And also part of us knows that like this thought's not helpful, right? This inner critic can be really unhelpful. So Karen and anyone's logical attempts to reassure herself are really well intentioned, but her brain is still triggered by kind of the threat of that inner, Critic and all the hidden critical thoughts that she wasn't acknowledging. So, this is really what's exacerbating the pain and silently keeping her stuck. So, the reality is that many of us have many unhelpful hidden sentences a lot of the time. And so and, and until we really learn to unpack and examine them and even look for the positive intention behind that part of us that's saying that sentence, they will continue to silently impact us without our control. So I have a confession to make. I used to really hate CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. And when I say hate, that's probably too strong of a word, but I used to really dislike cognitive restructuring or mindset work um often in grad school I felt this way even though even now I think sometimes the word mindset I don't know for whatever reason it annoys me I think because sometimes what we learn about like just have a positive attitude can feel really invalidating and um and probably this happened for people that I've worked with by accident where I'd be like, we just have to like shift that all or nothing thinking because that's so crucial to long-term change. And I'm sure part of them was like, okay, cool. How do I do that? <laughs> like, that sounds really, really hard. And so I, when for me, I think when people would say, just change your thoughts or change it to this thought, I felt... I really at that time had a lot of unaddressed pain and shame that felt really unseen. And so changing my mindset just felt honestly really impossible. And I wanted to just yell like it's not that simple. I have way too many negative thoughts and I just felt like whack-a-mole trying to challenge them all. So for me, because of this, I was super drawn to acceptance and commitment therapy, which is, you know, a kind of next wave of therapy beyond CBT been around for a long time, but, um, this was really great to me. Cause I was like, okay, great. I'll have all these like anxiety thoughts and shame thoughts and I'll just do it anyway. And I'll just accept that I have this discomfort and do it anyway, which really for me came in very handy because when I was anxious about writing my dissertation, I just like power through and do it. And, you know, I, for the record, I love, I think ACT, or Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and CBT provide a ton of value. Still, I still use these modalities to an extent. Um, They both provide valuable skills, mindsets, and I've been greatly helped by them. But at the same time, what's interesting to look back on is at that time for me, kind of reinforced my tendency to like shove it down, shove down my fear and do it anyway. And what I'm learning is I'm actually just pretty good at doing that. And um, again, it's a useful skill when something hard just like really needs to be done. I don't know. I always use the like taxes, like something you have to do like once a year, really just like muscle through and do it. But the problem is when we start using it consistently over time, we can really stop listening to your body and, and it can keep us from showing up in the world doing the work you were meant to do. Um, one example for me, twice in my life I've gotten certified to teach a group fitness class and um, both times I've paid for and completed these trainings and I taught a handful of classes before realizing, like, I hate it. Like, I was never meant to do that. I just wanted to take a group fitness class, be led by a really good instructor, and the practical side of me was like, well, I want to get paid to work out. So I just kept forcing myself to do it, hoping I would like it, but if I had believed myself the first time that I hated it, I would just avoid wasting money and time. And that's just one example. There's a lot (laughs) where... I've realized, like, I learned to listen to my body with eating and eating and exercise. I feel pretty good about that. And um, and there was times when I was just not listening to the other aspects of of my body. And um, that's not to say that that's the fault of ACT or any therapeutic approach. But um, I, what I want to talk to you about today is this. New different way of thinking about relating to our thoughts, and that's kind of actually pretty different than traditional CBT or traditional ACT, which again I use, I am still a fan of what they brought to us. So, what if we could relate to our thoughts or the part of us that has these thoughts in a radically different way? So, again, this is for me with intuitive eating. This is what I've, i found because I think what I had been told and what many of our, many of us are told for eating is like, you're never going to like, healthy habits are always going to be hard. Once you struggle with your eating and your weight, you always will. Um, one of my favorite, like diet culture statements, like you just need to train yourself to love salads. And it's like, okay, but what if I just don't like salads? Like, well then what? And so for me with intuitive eating, I really, this was the thing that made me trust myself in that arena. And so now I'm beginning to realize more and more that there's even beyond that, there's a whole world of feeling better as it relates to our relationship with food and also beyond. And so, um, you know, you've, if you've been listening for a while, you hear me talk about the iceberg metaphor of like digging deeper and, To be honest, most of what I talk about with one-on-one clients um, doesn't have a lot to do with food. I mean, some of it definitely does and this varies person-to-person, but there's definitely people that come to me initially with concerns about binge eating, for example, and most of our sessions are talking about other stuff, and that's improving their relationship with food and their eating behaviors kind of organically. So the other thing to be weary of, and I think maybe that's why I had such an issue with mindset work. Is, and I think some people can perceive me as saying this, like just think about food without judgment. And I think for some people, they're like, oh, cool, and they are kind of t- able to take that and run with it. I think for other people, they they end up just feeling frustrated and like those judgments are so strong. Like I'm never going to be able to think of cake as just cake versus bad or unhealthy. Um, because these hidden sen- sentences are often deep. They don't always make logical sense on the surface and they're not always fun to uncover. Cause I think a lot of times people, when they realize they're thinking about them foods in this way, they're like, Ugh. they almost have shame about the amount of judgment and shame they have for themselves. So, We go back to Karen, the part of her that's self-critical and getting more and more frustrated with herself as the day goes on. This part of her is probably something historically she's tried to get rid of, but instead, this alternative that I'm going to share with you today is like, let's try to just get curious and understand it. Um, But before we, we do that, I want to, again, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I... Started writing about this episode because I got re excited about some of the work about mindset and how it impacts our physiology and our body. So it's pretty fascinating stuff. So Dr. Aaliyah Crum is a psychologist at Stanford and she's done really incredible work, her and her lab, um, in the areas of mindset and health. Um, one thing that I really love and I find fascinating about her work, and I've been talking about it for years, is how she's showing that our mindset can impact our physiology. So I think a while ago, I can't remember. I definitely have done a blog post. I can't remember if I did a podcast episode. I think I might have on what I call the milkshake study. So this was a study it has been around for many years now. And it shows that if you think of a food as a diet food or sensible, it was a census shake label on this, this um, milkshake, Versus an indulgent, higher calorie um, shake, your body responds as if you've eaten fewer calories and you feel less satisfied even though the actual nutritional content of that shake is exactly the same. Um, So basically they took the shake and they labeled it as sense of shake or indulgent shake. And what was fascinating is their hunger hormone dropped more quickly, they felt more satisfied, uh, with the indulgent labeled shake, and they also, um, they, they just described feeling more satisfied as well, even though it had the exact same amount of calories. So it really just shows us, like, the immense power that our mind has on our body. Mind and body are very much not separate, but what can happen in traditional therapy, and this has been the case for me is that when you get too cognitive, you miss that connection with your body and that wisdom that your body has, not just in terms of hunger fullness, although that connection can very much be severed and cut off too, but you miss that connection with what your body and your emotions are telling you about, you know, anything in your life. Like, does this relationship feel safe? Does this feel safe? Does this feel like a good choice for me? Does this exercise something I want to do, for example? So there's really... I was going to do this episode and get really into these studies because I think they're fascinating. There's another one um, that showed that getting feedback on one's genetic risk for obesity as it relates to exercise. So it was basically, there was a gene that shows that if you have this um, risk allele, then you'll be more likely to either like exercise more or like exercise less and this actually getting this feedback influenced participants running endurance and it impacted um, how it was actually just their perceived risk so they actually lied to them and gave them inaccurate feedback and if they found out oh I have this gene that makes me not like exercise they ran less on the treadmill task and um, they had like a lower cardiovascular performance independent of their actual gene and so in fact the the perceived risk or the basically the lie that they were told in the study and then they told them accurately um, that was more impactful than the gene itself so just there's some other cool stuff they do a, they did a kid allergy study that showed when they told um, parents and kids that were going through a peanut allergy study that its symptoms were good the kids were able to interpret symptoms as good and kind of did better in the study and they had lower rates of peanut allergies at the end of the study. Have you been listening to this podcast and thinking, okay, Sean, this is great information, but what do I do with it? How can I truly change my habits and my thinking patterns? I've had them for so long. Or maybe you think I probably should try therapy or try it again, but I'm just not sure where to start. Well, if that's the case, I have some great news for you. My dear colleague and one of my closest friends, Dr. Sapna Doshi has created an incredible practice with amazing therapists that are excited to help you with whatever you want to work on. Maybe it's related to disordered eating or a weight concern or maybe you're wanting help and knowing this time you need to work through a past trauma, or maybe you just want to figure out why you've had anxiety all of these years. Mind Body Health provides evidence based therapy in person in Washington, D.C., and Arlington, Virginia, and teletherapy in over 30 states across the United States. As someone who settled for years for therapists who held space for me, but I didn't always feel fully guided in the direction of my goals, I can say that one of my major regrets in life is not investing in really good therapy sooner. So go to mindbodyva.com, that's M I N D B O D Y V A for Virginia com to set up your free consultation call and get matched with an excellent and totally vetted therapist today. Please be sure to let them know that the Motivation Made Easy podcast sent you. And remember that your future self will thank you for this. So there's super cool ones. I linked it in the show notes or I linked it in my blog post. Um, but what often happens after we listen to these studies or we get really excited as we're like, cool, how do I change my mindset, right? Like, how can I lie to myself? I can't lie to myself and say this, this amount of food has tons of calories in it because I know <laughs> that it doesn't, right? Or this salad, I'm going to eat this salad with an indulgent mindset. And and, and to some extent, wording can, can impact, which I think this study is really interesting. But what it really is, is the more we can approach ourselves with a self-supportive mindset, even believing in ourself, right? The people that were given the feedback that made them believe they weren't going to be good at exercise or they weren't going to be as prone to exercise did less. So if we can get people believing in themselves, supporting themselves with how they talk to themselves, that's going to be a game changer. And so, so what do we do with this though? Because, you know, most of us have a critical part and So that can be really frustrating for like, I know that it's not helpful, but I can't get rid of it. Like, and this has been the case for me for many years. And what I'm going to share with you today is something that I found really helpful recently for working with our critic. So get excited. So first of all, know that like that surface level mindset work isn't going to be very effective. So if you're thinking this food's not healthy, I shouldn't be eating it. If I eat it, then of course I'm going to stay out of shape you know, that's more surface level, so I think what we first need to do is get to those deeper sentences, and even though you might logically say these things aren't true, most people who are struggling with behavior change are at a deeper level very self-critical, saying things like Karen did, right? I'm either, I'm bad, I'm lazy, I'm just making excuses, get your life together, like these really critical thoughts that we don't want to say out loud, um, Other things that we might be deeply feeling is like, I'm gonna gain weight and develop health conditions, this is awful, this is terrifying, my body's not safe at this size, this isn't right, this isn't okay, I cannot do this, clearly. right? All of these negatives cascade, they can come together, they can be super intense, and they can feel really challenging to change. So what I'd encourage you to do that is typically different than what we do, is getting curious and getting to know that part of you that might criticize or tell you things like, you're going to develop a health condition, you're going to die, or whatever scary things that they're telling you. So if we start, if we talk about a critical part, most of us have a part that's self-critical. Most of us are not a huge fan of that part. We are told... And if you're like me, you read books on like self-compassion and how great it is and love yourself like you would a child or a pet or a friend. And this can feel really, I mean, hopeful to an extent, but it can feel pretty impossible or defeating too, because you're like, I can't do that. Um, But what's interesting, and I've been training in a new model of therapy, and this is where this is coming from, um, internal family systems is the name of the model. Because that part of you that criticizes isn't actually you and if you can separate yourself from that critic, that internal critic, you can and if you can get some of the parts that are scared or frustrated or angry at it to move aside and you can just get to know that part and really what it's trying to perhaps do for you, why it's doing what it's doing, if you're like many of us, you will learn that it's trying to protect you from something. And before, or really without trying to change that part and get it to change or be nicer, we want to really adopt that model of curi or mindset of curiosity, which is, again, pretty different and, and can take some practice. But it can be the difference that makes the difference. And this has actually been the case for me. I've been training in this model of therapy at the time of this recording for about uh, three to four months and using it for myself using it starting to dabble and using it with some one-on-one clients and what's really interesting and what's for what for me has been helpful and and really game-changing for me is that as we get to know this part of ourselves as a part not because of Before I would think of it as I'm just really self-critical. I'm so hard on myself. That's bad, and now I can notice that there is a me Sean a self and then there is a critical part that shows up and the more we can understand what is that critical part trying to do and um, without going into the whole model these protector parts are almost, if they're they're always protecting us from something, and they're always protecting another part of ourselves that got hurt and is stuck in the past and is more vulnerable. IFS calls that exiled parts, but you don't even have to understand or go to that part or heal it yet to get a tremendous benefit from just getting to know your protector as a different person or a different, um, in a different way. So, like I said, the first step is changing any behavior is building awareness of what's happening currently and seeing if this model, um, and if you're new to this description, I would really encourage you to, um, I'm going to link to an IFS exercise. Just keep an open mind. When I first heard about this, I thought it was kind of strange and skeptical. Um, the more I do this work, the less skeptical I am. And I'm sharing it here because I think there's a I have a deep sense that this is going to be helpful for lots of people with lots of different concerns. So it's very exciting. So for Karen, this comes back to just noticing the thought, the really critical thought, you're going to fail again, or maybe even that self-critical part's calling her a name, right? Like, what are you thinking? Like, you're doing so good. Why? Why, would, why are you mindlessly eating, right? That really critical part that might be saying quite unkind things and then we're going to practice adopting that model of curiosity. IFS is a body-based approach, so you're going to get curious, you're going to um, do sort of a try to locate that part in your body. This may or may not be easy to do with your eyes open, you may need to shut your eyes, and instead of immediately treating that part of you as something that needs to be changed, you're going to do the exact opposite. See if you can treat it like a loved one who's struggling like a child who's struggling and really self-critical, really having a hard time. And if you can adopt that model of curiosity where you might have some compassion for that struggle, for that part of you, see if you can ask some questions like, why are you saying these things to me? And again, notice if a part comes up that's still angry, that's common. IFS would say that's going to make it harder to get a helpful and honest answer from this part. You can also turn towards the other angry part and get to know it. And there's some, um, um, this is, we're, kind of, we're working to get to know our protective parts. So this is true just as if a loved one that you approach and you're trying to understand your child's self-critical thinking, um, but someone else is really mad at it, and, or you're really mad at it, that child's going to be less likely to open up and un- help you understand, right? Because they're in defense mode. They're holding on tighter to what they're doing, and they're just not going to be super open. So we want to think about these parts as, um, as if they were sort of that inner inner children or inner beings inside of us, which is again a little bit different than we often a lot of bit different than we think about things, but hugely helpful. So again, we're working to understand that positive intention behind this part of you. Our self-critical parts are typically, if not always, trying to protect us from something. And again, most of us have them. When we can learn to approach it with curiosity, some compassion, you actually might be surprised by what you learn. Um, and And again, you want to, I'll I'll link in the show notes to a guided exercise with the developer of internal family systems therapy to do when you have time to safely sit down and do this in a more formal way. These guided exercises have the benefit of helping us get out of our logical thinking parts, more into our body to truly get curious about what's there. And just believing ourselves, believing our body versus trying to think of what the analyzing answer should be, which I personally found hard at first, but I'm getting better. And again, we're going to send some appreciation. If you get some feedback from that part and you're able to relate to it differently, you're not going to change, jump to change it, because um, this is the temptation, right? Stop being critical. Stop yelling at me. But As you learn what this self-critical part is trying to do for you, trying to protect you, trying to change your behavior so you, with Karen's case, like, it's trying to say, maybe it's trying to help her do better, right? Sending it some appreciation for its intention and just seeing how that part of you responds to that. You can also, in this exercise, and this is in the guided exercise, see what that part of you might like to do instead. So if we had another way to protect you from hurt, besides criticizing, and the self-critic could relax a bit, checking in with this part of you, seeing what it might like to do instead, and posing the question open-ended, not thinking of the answer, just kind of seeing what comes. And if you've located in this part in your body, that can be really helpful kind of asking towards that part. So it could be, for some people, it's like tightness in your chest or shows up in certain areas on or near or in your body. So you can see where shifting that mindset work can be helpful in healing. So shifting from I'm going to fail again to the exact opposite statement, I'm not going to fail again, can and kind of making a case for that, that could be helpful. But what can happen for a lot of us is there can be a lot of resistance. If this part of you feels really unappreciated, unseen, and is like, you don't get it. Like We were hurt in the past. We were criticized by our, for our eating or a weight. And this self-critical part of you might be working tremendously hard to prevent that from happening again. So there's parts of ourselves that are protectors, And this self-critical part is typically what's called a manager. And managers work really hard to prevent future pain. Their motto is never again. So if you were ever teased about your weight or if you just live in our world and you know that weight gain can result in negative social consequences or any negative consequences, that self-critical part can be working really hard to try to prevent that for you. So for me and many of my clients and many people that I've been talking to in the therapy world um this internal family systems model is really kind of growing in popularity. It's been around for several decades now, but um it's really a lot being more talked about it a lot more. For me, I think it offers a different approach to self-compassion or it's actually very similar, but it helps me to sort of embody and do self-compassion for real, which is something I've actually really struggled with, and I'm just now realizing how much, and I'm starting to understand why, because some of the parts that of me that are really protective were just uninterested in doing that, because it didn't feel fully safe to do that. So it's been pretty cool. Um, I mean... We, most of us have, I also have an angry part, an overworking part, and these parts have been historically kind of shamed and shunned by me, but if we can really embody this, the fact that these parts are here for a reason, they're doing something, and um, getting to know themselves, it's like actually getting to know yourself for the first time in a really healing and helpful way. So, with that said, Those are, and and within that, I think once we know these parts of ourselves even better, um, some of these natural mindset shifts happen automatically, which is pretty fascinating. Um, And as someone who is seeing that work over the past few months for myself, it doesn't have to be so intentional, but we can also, once we understand ourselves better and there's more harmony in our system, it can be easier to flip and make the case for some of these different mindsets, right? Like Karen going to like, oh, interesting, an old thought I'm going to fail again showed up and be able to be like, and I'm not. But if that feels like too much work, there might just be a part of you that isn't quite ready to shift because it's scared. It'll get sc- scared what will happen. And that inquiry might just be the difference that makes the difference for you. I know that's been the case for a lot of people that I'm talking to recently. So um, along those lines, um, the bookshop book that I am now talking about as one of my favorite books is, um, and I actually listen to audio it on audiobook, which is great too, because then you can get these guided exercises, um, but it's called No Bad Parts, Healing Trauma and Restoring Wholeness with the Internal Family Systems Model. Um, at the time of recording, I recently finished it and it's, um, it's very, very hopeful to me and very exciting to me. And, um, if you do check it out, I would love to hear what you think. Um, I'm always love, I always love hearing your feedback. So thank you so much for being here today. And, um, yeah, I hope you have a great week and we'll talk soon. If you're anything like me, you may at times really feel like there's so much pain in the world that it's pretty overwhelming. And even though I do my best to avoid the news, it's hard to avoid feeling helpless at times, that you can't do anything to make positive change. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's one positive change that I've made in terms of where I buy my books, and I'd invite you to do the same. Bookshop is a website that supports local bookstores near you, as well as affiliates that work with them. So if you buy through the bookshop link, you're going to be supporting local bookstores near you in the US and Canada, and you're gonna be supporting my blog and podcast. It's kind of like a tip jar. Did you know that if nothing slows their momentum, Amazon will have about 80% of the book market by the end of 2025? Look, I have Amazon Prime, I love the convenience, but this is a super cool way that you can do something positive with where you buy your books and support some really positive causes. Make sure you check it out. You can find all of my favorite books about health and wellness, but also about topics like courage, vulnerability, and even some of my favorite fiction and kids books for the times when you just need some fun, downtime, or some meaningful stories. My recent favorite related to achieving a deeper level of healing is a book called No Bad Parts, Healing Trauma and Restoring Wholeness with the Internal Family Systems Model. This model of healing has been incredibly helpful to me personally. I'm also using it with clients and seeing great results. This book is not specific to eating or weight related concerns, but it's really one of the best ways I've found to help work with that deeper root cause of any behavior that you're struggling with. And I think you'll find it really interesting and also really valuable too. So if you believe in supporting local, controlling the things that you can, please consider buying your books through Bookshop and through the Psychology of Wellness link. You can find that in the show notes, or you can go to drshawnhandorp.com that's drshawnhondor com forward slash bookshop and before we finish today's episode i have a really quick message from a special guest my daughter please review from my mom's podcast make something for my mom's podcast please thank you Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.